Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I am joined this week by Dave Somerville. Hello, Dave. Hello, hello. And by Jake McGee. Hello, Jake. Good evening. Well, gentlemen, um, week seven is done. We're going to have a week seven recap. We then, of course, got our Winnifel Awards. And then we've got our week eight rapid fire preview. And, of course, random stats. We've got an action-packed podcast. It may not be as long as last week's podcast, which is the longest one we have ever done. It was like mm-hmm. two hours and 40 minutes. Slightly ridiculous. So we're going to jump straight into the uh, recap of week seven. And we start, gentlemen at Caesar Superdome on the Thursday night in front of 70,009 fans the New Orleans Saints welcomed in the Jacksonville Jaguars and the away team prevailed unfortunately for our Jake 31-24 for Jacksonville uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much Jake because obviously this is your team so I'm going to get you to give us your rundown Jaguars Saints yeah, a very interesting game. Now, the Saints ran 87 offensive plays, which ties a franchise record for a regulation game. I doubt, I mean, that's not a random stat, because uh, I didn't check it, but I doubt there are many teams to run 87 or more plays, win the turnover battle, and manage to lose a game. Um, ETN ran in for two scores, followed by an Aluacon pick six. He was everywhere all day. He was playing lights out on defense. I um, meant the Jags were winning comfortably, 24-9, to until the Saints decided to play football, um, managed to come back and tie the game, and the Saints could have took this game to overtime, or even gone for two, if Peter Carmichael had a stroke and decided to be aggressive. Um, but an end zone pass to Foster Moreau slips through his fingers. Uh, the Jaguars, especially in the first half, did their best to make this a, com- uh, a competitive game. They had costly penalties and two fumbles in the first half. Um, but really the better team won Saints finished 3 of 18 on 3rd down uh, 4 of 6 on 4th down because we just had to keep going on 4th down because we put ourselves in that position uh, at one point the Saints were 1 of 12 on 3rd downs and that one was on the first drive it was a really hard game to watch uh, up until about half time uh, Blake Groupie missed a field goal on extra points so really glad we got rid of our kicker uh, and my final note is Al Michaels needs to retire. Um, his call on the Christian Kirk touchdown was unbelievably painful, even for a Saints fan. I can't imagine Jags fans when your team just basically gave away a 24-9 lead against a really poor team they should have been absolutely hammering, and then you score a nice breakaway touchdown, and the commentator's like, oh, he's out of bounds. Oh, he's, he's uh... oh, it's a touchdown. It was just like, is he asleep at the wheel? I felt recently a lot of his games, there's not a lot of passion there, but that call was just excruciatingly painful. It does seem that. I don't. Do you think it's ever since the, the Thursday night games moved to Amazon? And I'm sure that's not the reason, but it does seem that ever since then, the games generally haven't been very good. And Al Michaels really does seem to have dropped off, doesn't he? Yes, I, I, I'll I'll come in on that one. No, I, was uh, wait, because, I, I just spoke for like five oh, minutes. I was waiting for you to. to... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But what what I do know um, is that uh, I I woke up on Friday morning and obviously check on Twitter. Why is Al Michaels trending? 
Now, obviously, I, I feared the worst at that point. It wasn't that he was, he was just he's probably not quite as good as a commentator as he used to be. Um, but I'm afraid that's pretty much what it is. He's, he earns roughly a million dollars per game uh, as a commentator on Amazon. Um, and he's only doing Thursday night f- football. So, I, I mean, he did, was it last year or the year before he did the Super Bowl? And I remember thinking, this is that this this commentary is just it's almost abysmal. I think it might have even been when the Rams won it. I think he was commentating during that game when Donald sacked um, Burrows at at the very end of the game. There was just no excitement whatsoever. There was no hype whatsoever, and you know, obviously, I couldn't really hear it because I was screaming. But uh, yeah, that that's that's beside the point. But I I, I fully agree with what Jake yeah, said because the thing is that Al Michaels has been a one of one of the best play-by-play callers for decades. A long time, yeah. Decades. Mm-hmm. And you just think, what has happened? Do you, it's almost like he just totally lost interest in the game. Right, it is. Like he's just mailing in. And yeah. when you're getting paid that much and you've been around and you've seen it all, and I, I don't really blame him, but I don't really want that. Even, you know, it's strange because the Saints considered a touchdown, so I was mm-hmm. already like depressed. So I don't, you know, if a commentator was like, what a play, that's amazing, Christian Kirk, I'd be like, oh, rub it in. But at the same time, it's like, well, the Jaguars have just, like, gone ahead in a game on a Thursday night primetime game, you know, give them a bit of juice. It was just like, even the Jags fans were just like, oh, okay, we're winning. Not that, uh, the, you know, the production seemed to care. It was just, it was just very odd. It was odd. Um, just before we move on, Jake, can I get your opinion so far from the season, what you've seen from from Derek Carr, what do you uh, think so far of of what you've seen this season? Do you, I mean, do you want him to finish out the year? Do you think he's because he's been very hot and cold, hasn't he? And let's be honest, mostly cold. Well, he's got a knackered AC joint. He injured his groin in this game and was like hobbling about. We've got one of the best backups you can really ask for in the league. We've got Taysom Hill. I don't really know where the blame lies at this point. If it's Derek Carr, if it's Pete Carmichael, if it's Dennis Allen, if it's a combination of them all. But it's really not working. And Michael Thomas was on Twitter, or X, um, pulling out like everyone was getting at Chris Olave for not finishing a, a route, even though the ball went about 12 yards over him. Uh, and Mike Thomas pulled up that he wasn't even in that play. His job was to run in a straight line, clear out some space and he wasn't even an option. He wasn't, you know, oh he's the fifth option I'll throw it up. He wasn't expecting the ball. It's just there's no communication and when you've got players going on Twitter and X and kind of airing out laundry and him saying he's only got eyes for number seven which is Taysom Hill, it's just a hot mess Um Derek Carr's great at checking the ball down while simultaneously holding on to the ball for 50 years. And then the Saints on third down, honestly, even if you don't watch any Saints, just watch Saints on third down because it'll be third and four and we'll throw the ball 50 yards. We, we don't seem to know what the middle of the field is and we don't seem to know what the, the chain distance is because we don't play to it. We just launch it up. We either check it down or throw it 50 yards. There is really nothing in between. Yeah, and, and we've spoken about this before. My my bugbear is always uh, it's third and ten, dial up a three yard slant. 
Like, what what do you think is going to happen? And of course, the reverse of that is it's third and five, attempt a fifty yard pass. It's like, <laughs> do you not know how many yards you need to get to first down? It is. It is bizarre, but we won't dwell on it too long, Jake. We won't dwell on it too long because we're going to move on, gentlemen. We are moving on to Lucas Oil Stadium uh, in front of 65,552 fans. The Indianapolis Colts welcomed the best defense, the number one defense in the entire NFL, the Cleveland Browns, and racked up 38 points against them. I mean, my goodness. Gardner Minshew in this game... Apart from, he had, he had one horrendous throw that was just like, oh my word, I don't even know what this guy's thinking. But other than that, he looked so much better in this game, much better than he did last week. Um, he played really well. He was rushing the ball well in this game as well. And Deshaun Watson started the game for Cleveland. Uh, he went one of five for five yards and an interception. And his fifth pass should have been a second interception. Very nearly was, but they ruled that the the ball hit the ground and uh, just jarred it slightly as the defender was coming down with it. He was awful in this game. So in comes PJ Walker. Um, Deshaun Watson seeming, seemingly had an injury, goes to the blue tent. PJ Walker comes in. He goes 15 of 32 for 178 yards and an interception. Now, you're looking at that. Versus Gardner Minshew, 15-23, two touchdowns and an interception. But he had two rushing touchdowns as well. And as I say, they scored 38 points, but it wasn't enough. The Browns won this game 39-38, basically thanks to Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was literally everywhere in this game. He was knocking down passes, he was sacking the quarterback, it was tackles for loss, and he had a blocked field goal on a ridiculously, ridiculously athletic play where he leapt over the offensive line. Remember, if he touches anyone when he does that, that's an automatic 15-yard penalty. Nope, he cleared the whole offensive line, blocked the field goal. This was a Miles Garrett show. It was one of the most impressive defensive performances by an individual that I've seen in a long time, many years. This was absolutely outstanding by him. They come away with a 39-38 victory, but, but on that final drive by the Cleveland Browns, there was a call by the referees which was horrendously bad. It was a pass interference call on a ball that sailed 15 yards over the receiver's head in the back of the end zone. Now, we, it's almost like we never see this called anymore, the uncatchable pass. So, basically, uh, for those who don't know, you can't get called for pass interference if the receiver had no chance of catching the pass. That's the rule. Uh, the signal is the hand over the head. The, the ball was miles away. It didn't matter that the, the defender bumped the receiver because it's, that's an uncatchable pass. And yet it was called on the Colts, giving them a first and goal on the one-yard line. And the Browns went in and scored to win the game 39-38. It was just, this is the second week the Browns have really, really benefited from some pretty suspicious referee um, calls here. Some officiating has been very suspect. To the point where I'm starting to go, well, hang on a second, I can I can give you one of those as an honest mistake. Um the 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 roughing penalty against San Francisco, that's a bang bang play. 
I, I get why they could call that, although it should have been reviewed and overturned. Uh, the defensive holding play was ridiculous. This call was... I, I, I don't know how anyone... The commentators were stunned by this call. The entire crowd at Lucas Oil Stadium were just going, how is that a flag? The ball was... It was no chance. If he had been standing on the shoulders of another player, he could not have caught that pass. And yet it was called pass interference. I am slightly hot about this because two weeks in a row, the Cleveland Browns have won games essentially because of the referees. Not entirely, but they basically scored that, that last touchdown because of the the officiating in that game. They moved to 4-2. and two. The Colts fall to 3-4. and four. Um, Dave, I'll actually chuck it over to you. What do you think of this Cleveland Browns team? Because the other thing that came out was Deshaun Watson, the uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Stefanski, I should say, came in and said that Deshaun Watson was taken out of the game because uh, it was it was Stefanski's decision. He didn't want Watson to get more hurt than he already is. Essentially, that he's carrying an injury, didn't want him to get banged up. Deshaun Watson comes out and then says, oh, it's a medical decision. You know, the doctors told him to stay in. <laughs> Someone, someone's not telling the truth here, but it's a Cleveland Browns. Dave, what do you think of this whole scenario in Cleveland? I mean, it, it's a Cleveland show, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a comedy. Uh, it, it's, I, I don't think Cleveland can have a quiet season. There's, there's, it, they're just incapable of doing it. Um, you know, prior to Baker... They were just at the bottom of the league. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't quiet then either. But um, yeah, I, I have a feeling. I mean, every single week we're talking about decisions that are going against teams and greatly affecting the game when they are clearly wrong. You know, and that, that's what's kind of leading the charge for uh, instant replay decisions or it's replay challenges, those kind of things. Um, I think this week it's probably spread all around the FC North. We'll come to that later. Um, but yeah, the I I think the Browns seem to be missing that quarterback, that competent, good decision making quarterback, and Deshaun Watson is just not that. He's he's almost playing like he's got paid and he just doesn't care anymore. You know, I, maybe the injury was hampering him. It's not what you're seeing from the from the body language and from what we've seen from him already. So. I mean, the rest of the cast are stepping up. Yeah, and like I said, Miles Garrett, uh, the, the the man of the show. But uh, you know, I I was watching this game, and I was thinking it's unbelievable what he was able to do. But I do want to highlight one other player, and that is the Cleveland Browns kicker, because not only did he score fifteen points in this game, he he kicked three from fifty plus yards and made every single attempt that he kicked. So, I think he 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 won the game for them. He, for what Miles Garrett was able to do on defense on special teams, the points uh, tally was made up by the kicker. So they've got all the pieces, bar a competent, consistent quarterback. So, yeah, they they've got away with another one. I'm afraid. Um, they they did kind of uh, the Colts were okay throughout the entire game. Especially on the offense. They, put up, they, they had some big plays and they put up 13 points on mm-hmm. the, the defense that allowed the fewest in the entire league. Exactly. So really and that, that's that's no kind of... Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a 
a win in itself, but unfortunately it doesn't make a difference. Uh, and they go three and four win. It's very questionable. You know, I mean, how many? I think they had four attempts to get one yard or something at the end of the game, the Browns. Um, and Kareem Hunt scrapes over the line, but I think it was Big Ben. He said, it doesn't matter whether it's an inch or a mile over, it's over the line. That's so it. Browns get it done at the right at the end of the game. Um, and just before we move on, Jake, I'll get your opinion on Deshaun Watson. We mentioned it the other week. He's looked ropey. I mean, really, really bad. They look better with PJ Walker in than they did with Deshaun Watson. What What do you think of this? Is it? Do you think this is going to carry on, and this is just going to turn out to be one of the worst contracts of value for the dollar in NFL history? Um, not just one of the worst contracts, one of the worst trades. Everyone crashes the Broncos and the Russell Wilson trade. Not only did they pay um, Deshaun Watson, they traded a few firsts, two, three firsts for him as well. Um, yeah. It was a terrible decision. And uh, if he's not, you know, if you're worried about him getting hurt in terms of whatever injury he has, um, shouldn't have been starting the game. Um, he obviously went out for a concussion. He was cleared and they never put him back in. That, that's a bench and he was benched. They can hide behind him being injured or no, no, he's benched. He's not been good enough. And when you're re-signing PJ Walker, an XFL quarterback, to a one-year deal that kind of tells you all you need to know they're planning on at least for the next few weeks probably rolling with PJ Walker until Deshaun Watson um, gets healthy or decides he wants to be an NFL quarterback again yeah just seems to be the way it's going um we'll need to wait and see with regards to what they're doing they are talking about Watson carrying an injury but you're right Jake this 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 trade was horrendous we're going to move on though gentlemen uh we come to the Atlanta Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium in front of 62,620 fans and this was basically a field goal competition it was say 7-7 at the end of the first quarter and then it was just field goal field goal field goal um the Falcons coming away with a kick by Young Ho Ku, 51 yard field goal as time expired to win the game 16 to 13. Jake McGee, Falcons, Buccaneers, what did you see? Um, the NFC South is what I saw. Uh, the Bucks have now lost three of their last <laughs> four. Uh, they've handed the Falcons sole possession of the NFC South, and everybody else in the NFC should just be aiming to be the number five seed because you will get to play the NFC South in the wild card and you will get a free win. It's basically a buy. Um, it's just ridiculous that a team, a very good team, likely someone like the Vikings or the Seahawks or the Cowboys are going to end up playing the Falcons at this rate. And it's just, that's going to be a playoff game, which is going to be interesting. Um, for this game, Desmond Ridder, good news. He's clout inceptions. Uh, bad news. He tried to his best to lose this game anyway with three fumbles. Uh, they were all costly. Uh, one was at the one-yard line after Drake London nearly decapitated himself catching the ball. Uh, he then fumbled on the goal line after a great play by Antoine Winfield Jr., which um, the ball went through the back of the end zone, in a, resulting in a touchback. So he thought he scored, and then all of a sudden the Bucks had the ball again. And they, the other fumble was right before half-time as well, when they had a chance to put up points. A lot of weird stuff going on with the Falcons, and even Falcons fans are like, how are we... Four and two. How are we in the position we are? Because their personnel decisions are mental. Uh, Bijan Robinson in this game played a total of ten snaps despite being dressed. Didn't feature on the injury report at all all week, but apparently had a headache. Um, 
very interesting to me in a game so heavy and so determined to sell its soul to fantasy and gambling that you can have a team not disclose anything and be dressed and go through pre-game. You know, if he's got a headache, you've seen before where players um, in the pre-game, I think Aaron Jones against the Saints, kind of running about and said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't go. So he doesn't go. If Bijan Robinson had a migraine headache or was really unwell and couldn't play, then then don't play him. Don't just, you know dress him on the sideline and then just put him in for ten snaps. It, you know it wasn't even like oh he's not going to play today. He was in it with some random snaps. He was blocking for a fullback at one point. It, it, it none of it makes any sense. Um, trying to get back to the game a little bit. The Falcons had nine penalties almost all on defense. <laughs> Ended up giving the books six free first downs. And then the Bucks, completely the opposite, had nine penalties also, but almost all of it on the offense, and a lot of it pre-snap, which is concerning. Um, it's just the NFC South sucks. It really does suck. Um, yeah, it does. It's, it's, I, I, I watched this one as well, and I was like, well, this is bad. There was that one spectacular catch by, was it Drake London, I think, behind his back? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, Kyle Pitts was the one behind his back. Oh, Kyle London Pitts was the one Kyle that Pitts, nearly beheaded himself. Oh, yeah, sorry, so it was. Um, but that was basically the only highlights of this game. It was dire, dire football to watch. It really was. Um, and I don't really have anything else to say about it. Uh, Dave, do you have anything before we quickly move on? I don't know, just a, a big shout out to my favorite kicker in the league, Young Hoku, for winning the game for the Falcons because. Someone had to win the game, and I think both teams were trying to lose it, it seemed to me. It certainly did. Uh, so we are going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to Gillette Stadium, where the Buffalo Bills were visiting the New England Patriots in front of 64,628 fans. And um, I hate to say I called it. <laughs> I knew this was but coming. I called one of th- One of three games you called, by the way. Just, I, just I, before I, we get too big. I... That's not the point. It's not the point. You've got to give me this one small victory. My <laughs> pick'em score is appallingly bad. Appallingly bad. It's, I'm, I'm probably but. the worst pick'ems in the, in the entire world. Anyway, the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> 25, the New England Patriots, 29. They won this one with a touchdown pass from Mac Jones to Mike Kosicki with 12 seconds left on the clock. Um, the Bills didn't really look like themselves. The Patriots didn't look like themselves. It was a weird game. Dave, this one's all yours. What did you make of it? Yeah, I was watching this game and it was weird is, is probably the perfect word for it because the Bills looked, they didn't look like they even reached second gear. You know, we, we say people don't need to get out of second gear. They didn't even reach second gear in this one. Um, I think they were they they came about a bit in the second half, primarily in the fourth quarter when they realized, oh, we actually have to do something here. But um, yeah, it was it was not something was very very wrong here, and the fact that Mac Jones had a pretty decent game uh, by all stretches of the imagination um, says a lot about the state of the Bills. I think the Bills are playing like uh, they don't have. Uh, some of their star players are injured, especially on defense. Uh, Matt Milano uh, is a big miss when he's not in for the Bills, and he. I, th- I think the Bills keep. They've got no kind of. Um, they, they've got nothing 
instead of the place that they've got. They they are trying to play like their star players are there all the time. So when you've got guys that are injured, these uh, the kind of um, second string come in, it's not going to have the same effect. And I think that's what we were kind of seeing here. Uh, the one takeaway after the game, though, is that Bill Belichick is now only a third coach with three hundred wins in his in his career. So, um, yeah, b- big Bill getting it done there. But I, I I really need to point this out. Looking at the stats, Mac Jones looked good in this game. At this, looking at the stats, he was twenty five of thirty for two hundred seventy two yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. How he only had five incompletions, I will never know. There, there were some plays that were just a joke. Um, neither team could run the ball. I think uh, there was maybe one one good rush by James Cook. Uh, Ramondi Stevens had one. Zico Elliott had one. That's about it, though. It was a good defensive performance, so you wouldn't say that looking at the 29-25 score. But, yeah, um, the Patriots throwing uh, on... That at, at, towards the end of the game too, because they need to get the touchdown, and it was a bit. It was a bit weird. It was. It's on the one yard line. Um, but the, the the takeaway I take from this game is that the Bills are losing games uh, because they're just so inconsistent, and it's good. That's going to hamper them if they get to the postseason. Because even though we'll see later on what happened with other teams in the, in the division. I'm not seeing any kind of late AFC Championship Super Bowl contending team here. So, yeah, it was it, it's a game where I think Bills fans need uh, are now, oh, we could be in a bit of trouble here. Jake, um, which Bills are the real Bills? Is it the Bills that we saw this weekend, or is it the Bills that blew the doors off Miami? What, what, what is this team's identity? What do you think? It's a great question. Um, it's really hard to tell with the Bills, and it, especially like you said, like Dave was saying, if they get to the postseason, it is going to be what Bills turn up. You know, is it going to be the Bills that if they were made it to the the championship game could beat the Chiefs, or is it going to be the Bills that end up getting knocked out by like the Bengals in a wild card game? It's just you don't know which team's going to turn up, and it's bizarre how a team can be so hot and cold, and even their quarterback at times can be so hot and cold. I mean, or, you know, week one, it was like, what is going on? And then they, like you say, we see that performance against Miami. Okay, here we go. The Bills have figured it out. And then I don't know what happened kind of in between London, going to London and coming back from London and the hangover. It doesn't seem to have helped them in any way, shape or form. And then losing this game are just almost inexcusable. And I think I, I owe Mac Jones an apology because uh, me and Patrick were taking shots um, at Mac Jones when the, the Patriots got the ball with Mac Jones ready to lead a game-winning drive. We were taking bets on how he was going to mess it up. Uh, and lo and behold, he, he went and led a game-winning drive. So my apologies, Mac Jones, if you're listening. Yeah, I mean... It, that, that final drive, though, that final drive was... Um, it, it, it Basically, there, there was a penalty uh, for defensive pass interference, which it, it was, but again, was it going to be caught... Probably not, um, but you know that, that that's these are the kind of tight margins that uh, that that this game was going to end up with because both teams looked average at best. Well, obviously, we know what the Patriots are going to, but the Bills were you, you're not expecting that. I mean, this this year alone, they're one and two uh, away from home, so obviously they've got their own kind of twelfth man 
uh, at home, but away from home, they haven't been that great this year. And you need the consistency home and away uh, to be well, kind of Super Bowl contenders. They're one and two in the AFC East, and the team they beat was the Dolphins. Mm. Uh, that, they, that's they beat, insane. Yeah, they, they beat that Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they lost to the Aaron Rodgers Jets, and they've lost to the Patriots, and somehow beat the Dolphins. And it's just like explain that to a caveman. No chance. Can't be done. Um, just before we do move on, you mentioned Bill Belichick there, Dave. Uh, got 300 wins. He also had a contract extension. So Bill Belichick's not going anywhere. Uh, and, of course, this game obviously just strengthens what we already know, that uh, Tom Brady was just a system quarterback. Okay, gentlemen, so we're then going to move on. We come to Soldier Field in Chicago, where the Las Vegas Raiders travel to take on the Bears in front of 62,199 fans and got the absolute hell beaten out of them. This game wasn't even close at any point. The Bears were up 30-6. to six. Uh, in the fourth quarter before Jacoby Myers got a nine-yard pass from Aidan O'Connell um, to make this one 12-30. to 30. And you may be asking, who's Aidan O'Connell? Well, Aidan O'Connell came in for Brian Hoyer, who was starting this game. Jimmy Garoppolo was not in the game. Um, Brian Hoyer looked absolutely horrendous in this game. 17-32 for 129 yards. 129 yards on 32 pass attempts is disgusting. Disgusting. Uh, two interceptions. He had a rating of 37.1. So Aidan O'Connell came in uh, 10 of 13, 75 yards, one TD, uh, one interception. The Raiders couldn't get anything going. Josh Jacobs, 11 for 35. Uh, meanwhile, Tyson, got his name right this time, Tyson Badgent for the Bears. In this game, 21 of 29. For 162 and a touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked once, a rating of 97.2. Uh, they got some good rushing from Dante Foreman and Danton Evans. Uh, Dante Foreman uh, got two touchdown rushes in this game. Uh, they also scored on a pick six. And down, down in this game, 21-3 in the fourth quarter. 12-20 to go in the game. Josh McDaniels elects to kick a field goal. They haven't been able to stop Chicago at any point in this game. And he goes, we're down 18. Let's kick a field goal and hope that we can stop Chicago. Oh, that's right. We can't stop Chicago. Josh McDaniels is an... He needs to be fired. He absolutely needs to be fired. There are two coaches that I, I watched games this week. Um, and after those games, I thought, these coaches need to be fired. Josh McDaniels is one. We'll, we'll touch on the other one later. I'm sure Jake already knows who I'm going to be talking about. Um, but you just... The man hasn't got a clue. He really hasn't got a clue. And uh, Brian Hoyer just so out of his depth here. But let's not forget, this is a Chicago Bears team with Tyson Badgent as their quarterback. And they absolutely thrashed the Raiders. As I say, the score was 30-12... to 12, that scoreline flatters the Raiders so much in this game because this should have been 50 to nothing. It was unbelievable how dominant the Bears were because the Raiders were so bad. And Christian will be listening, I'm sure. And he's saying, hey, stop having a go at my Raiders. But <laughs> he might not actually. He might be saying, yep, everything you're saying is absolutely 100% correct. They were stinking in this game. So bad. One of the worst performances I've seen. Um... 
Dave, do you have anything to say about, did you watch any of this game at all? If you did, I feel sorry for you because I had to watch the entire thing. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I, I saw the highlights of the game. Um, I, it's, it's weird. It was weird to see Bajant at quarterback because he almost looked like a Bears quarterback that was competent. But I think it was because of the Raiders, how, how bad they were, that he looked <laughs> competent. Um, yeah, I, I, do you know who I feel sorry for, actually, is Max Crosby. Max Crosby is one of the best defensive ends in the league, and the supporting cast and the coaching staff around him are just awful. And th- there's nothing he can do about it. Um, they, obviously, we, we can hope that someone sees sense with McDaniels, and he does kind of lose his job. Um, I, I mean, there wasn't much. There's not much else to say about it except it was just two teams who are very much at the bo- bottom of the league, just kind of trying to get some sort of scraps for uh, to make the season not as bad as what it's going to be. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams and Kobe Myers were targeted constantly. I think they caught about half of them each. Um, but apart, aside from that, there was just nothing shown from the Raiders whatsoever. So. Yeah, and and uh, I am putting it down to coaching decisions because there was you could see the frustration on the sideline uh, from from the offense when they were taken off for the the kicking unit. Yeah, I mean there was one or two camera shots that there there was just not one bit of positive body language, not one kind of positive word there. They knew they were beat, and they were just kind of looking at each other like, "What's going on?" So let's hope that something positive happens for those players because it's not happening from the higher-ups anyway. Uh, Jake, Brian Hoyer has been playing for 400 years, I think. It feels like that anyway. <laughs> um, this might be one of his worst games. Why do you think, because we've spoken about backup quarterbacks over and over again, why do you think someone like Brian Hoyer keeps getting jobs in the NFL? He must be a great guy. Um, but my, I literally wrote down on my piece of paper, why are you playing 38-year-old Brian Hoyer over your rookie quarterback? Yeah, He has lost 13 straight starts. He was staring down wide receivers and not doing any of his progressions as if it was his first game ever. I've seen rookies, including Tyson Bajant, um, yeah. with his 65 uh, friends and family in attendance, look miles better. It's it's criminal. And Brian Hoyer should be fired, and Josh McDaniel should be fired immediately. And I'm glad you mentioned the field goal, because that was my biggest note, was just, what are, you, what are we doing? Um, like you say, you haven't done anything all game offensively or defensively, and just to kick a field goal, a 25-yard field goal, is, what, what does that do for you? Oh, good. It's a two-score game. Congratulations. Guess what? They're going to go and score, and you're not going to score. Um, but I would like to shout Nathan Peterman for going zero for zero with a sack and two kneels. Epic numbers. Earn that paycheck, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, better than Brian Hoyer's numbers. So <laughs> I don't know what, what else we can say about that. Uh, so, gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to uh, the Detroit Lions versus the Baltimore Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. And 70,989 70, fans witnessed what was probably the biggest upset of the of the week not so much in the fact that the ravens won this game but in the manner in which they won it they killed the lions 38 to 6 jake mcgee you watch this one what were your takes i struggled to write as much on this one because it was 
so one-sided. Uh, not quite the, the close overtime game I suggested. Um, the Ravens were 28 to nothing up before the Lions managed a first down. A first down, singular. Uh, it was just, it was over before it even began. Uh, Lamar had all day to throw, and when he didn't, he was great on his feet. He picked apart the Lions. He had over 70% completion rates. Uh, he's had that in six of his seven games. Uh, the Baltimore defense has allowed a league-low seven touchdowns. They shut down an informed Lions team who had scored at least 20 on 15 straight games. Uh, Roquan Smith, um, kind of seamless transition from the Bears to the, to the Ravens. Well, Roquan Smith is, is looking sublime and a difference maker. Uh, but I do have, and, and this is very short, that's all I've really got for the game, but I do have a final positive note for the Lions. They don't play a team with a winning record again until Dallas in Week 17. And that is the only team with a winning record they play for the rest of the way. Wow. That's some schedule they've got coming up. Yeah. Yikes. Um, it, what, what I, I watched this game and I was like, it's almost like the Ravens changed their offense from the, from the previous couple of weeks. Uh, and we saw... Uh, shorter passes from Lamar, generally speaking. He did throw some, some nice deep balls. Generally speaking, shorter passes, the receivers were catching the ball, so that was a big plus for them. But you mentioned Rokon Smith. That guy is playing lights out this year. Um, I mean, seriously, he's he's going to be, if he carries on like this, he's going to be in discussions for, like, um, player of, uh, defensive player of the week every, uh, every week as they go forward. And, you know, the previous one that we mentioned there, Dave mentioned Max Crosby. Players like these are, are great players, but this looks like a really, really good trade for the Baltimore Ravens, picking up Roquan Smith. And I think we said that when they got him from the Bears. It was like, what are the Bears doing letting this guy go? Um, the Ravens come up with an absolute belt on him, and they just killed the Lions. Ewan was very upset. Very upset when I brought up how badly his team played. Um which I had to do, of course, because my team won. But we'll get to that later on. Anyway, we're going to move on, gentlemen. Oh, sorry, Dave, did you did you want to add anything about this game? I was just going to point out, Lamar Jackson uh, coming away with a 155.8 passer rating is Virtually almost perfect. impeccable. Uh, 21, 27 for 357 yards and three touchdowns. Just uh, absolutely amazing. The, what what I picked up though was that the Lions couldn't protect golf at all, um, and you know there was eight quarterback hits. It was thirty three of fifty three, even though they were averaging six yards per rush. They only rushed fourteen times in the game and got through fifty three attempts, including six targets to Jamison Williams, where he caught none of them. Uh, Nineteen targets to Amon Ra St. Brown, where he caught thirteen. It's not good enough, I'm afraid. Uh, and, but the thing is, so I think he was pa- panicking a lot because obviously, if he's got, you know, um, if if he's if he's got like kind of cover zero situations where, or you know, it feels like it's cover zero situations in this case, yeah, he's he's going to panic, and that's what we saw with golf in 2019, and we know how that went for him. They, they really missed um, the the running back. David Montgomery. Montgomery, thank you. They, Montgomery, they, yeah. They, they, they really looked like they missed him, but it's not often you see a, a running back, with the exception of the New York Giants, who we will talk about later, 
um, that a running back was missing and the offense just looks totally different. Totally different. Um, yeah, I think they're really missing him. They'll be hoping that he can get back at some point. Uh, so we are going to move, John, gentlemen, and we come to the aforementioned New York Giants um, versus the Washington Commanders in MetLife Stadium in New Jersey um, in front of 81,671 fans. And the Giants come away with a 14-7 win. Um, Jake, this is another one for you, but before I put it over to you, um, just have to say this. The Giants throwbacks look wonderful. Just keep them. Just keep them. Buccaneers should keep those. I know they call it a creamsicle. I don't know what a creamsicle is, but the, the salmon pink things, the Giants should keep that logo keep the, the uniform, the helmets, the retro helmet in the middle of the field looked amazing. Jake, Commanders, Giants, take it away. Oh, we'll take it away. I'll, I'll also add in the, the Kelly Green Eagles uh, was very nice as well. Oh, yes. All yes. these kind of separate kits uh, are looking nice. Now, the Giants had managed five sacks all year. They had five in the first half. They had six in total. So up steps, the Commanders and Sam Howell and everyone can get a sack. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau dropped a gift, which would have been a pick six. Uh, and the Giants, very similar to the Falcons game I watched, they tried their best to fumble this game away. Uh, Saquon Barkley lost one, and then Sterling Shepard muffled, uh, muffled a punt. Uh, Scary Terry wasn't targeted at all in the first half, and the game ultimately ended when Johan Dotson couldn't come down with the catch on the fourth or five. It was a very... Poor game for the Commanders, um, for Sam Howell, for the skill games. Um, it was just a very, very weird game. Uh, and a great game for the Giants in terms of um, wanting to get their defense kind of going. I struggled. I mentioned Sam Howell there. Six quarterbacks have thrown 250 or more passes this season. Only Sam Howell and Derek Carr... Uh, they're, they're the only ones to convert fewer than 90 first downs. Sam Howell has converted 80, Derek Carr 76. Um, and then this game was all but done. And I jokingly put in the group chat, like, there's no way the Giants could lose this because they had the ball with like a minute 40 and two timeouts that the commanders had. And I was like, well, they literally can just run the clock, maybe punt the ball with like 14 seconds left, barring, you know, Deshaun Jackson back there, you, you, you're fine. They massively mismanaged the clock to the point where it, they were in real danger of giving the ball back with nearly a minute to go. Um, turns out they got bailed out because a commander's player went down injured. They didn't have a timeout, so loss of down. Or oh, it was just that the clock carried on going, and it kind of bailed the Giants out of a, a maybe sticky situation. Um, but ultimately, they won this game, and they deserved to win the game. Um, Dave, just before I put it over to you very quickly, Sam Howell has been sacked 40 times now this season. In seven games. That's rough. The other thing is, and I know this isn't going to happen, but it should happen. The Giants should start Tyler Taylor for the rest of the year. Uh, they're not going to do that because they paid, they Mac, uh, paid, not Mac Jones, uh, Daniel Jones. We know Basically that they Yeah, it's like, Mac Jones. Don't draft a quarterback with the last name Jones. Mac Jones, not as good as Mac Jones. Daniel Jones is worse than Mac Jones. I'm convinced of this fact. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that. Uh, I, I know, but Mac Jones doesn't fumble 40 times a game. 
So, it, yeah. But Tyler Taylor has been better. We said this last week. Tyler Taylor looks much better than, than Daniel Jones. What do you reckon, Dave? Should the Giants just start Tyler Taylor for the rest of the year? We know they're not going to, because as I say, they paid the man, uh, Jones, but they should. If they want to win games, they should just start Tyler for the rest of the year. What do you think? I think they should just declare it an, a game-by-game decision because and have open competition between the two because uh, Tyler Taylor is cool, calm, and collected. Obviously, Dan Jones has been paid. So make him work for it is, is what I think. I mean, make them both work for it. Obviously, Tyler Taylor is he's a, he's a experienced quarterback, and he showed it in this game. Um, so I think they should just open season. You know, make them play for it. If um, if one person doesn't perform in one game uh, and the other person looks good in training, uh, then he plays next week. I think they should. I know there's a big thing about consistency, but you know, even even if you look at the Browns, the Browns have got one of the worst quarterback situations with their uh, their contract with Deshaun Watson. Giants don't have a great one with uh, Daniel Jones, obviously, but. Um, yeah, they they look they're going to be put themselves under so much pressure because they've they've um they paid Daniel Jones, but I th- I still think that they're going to be very very reluctant to cut any losses with Daniel Jones right now. And um the the head coach has already come out and said that's when Jones is fit and ready to go, he will be back in. So I think that would be my only thing on that. The only sorry, the only other takeaway I was going to take from the game, the Commanders were one and fifteen on third down. Ouch. Oh. That's major rough. ouch for both teams <laughs> on both points <laughs> pretty ouch situation yeah. um so and it just goes to show you that obviously when they signed the massive contract for daniel jones and we all said what on earth are you doing and everyone in the league said what on earth are you doing they should have taken all of that money and given it to saquon <laughs> that's what they should have done yeah and i know it would never happen with the current climate running backs being devalued as they are and some people would argue legitimately. Uh, but Saquon is the difference maker for this offense. He really is. And Daniel Jones is just a bystander um, making an absolute ton of cash. And it just kills me to see that. Um, so we're going to move on, gentlemen. And we come to the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. But you'd have been forgiven to think in this game was played in Pittsburgh by the crowd noise. In front of 73,471 fans, 90% of them Steelers fans by the sound of it again. Um, and the Steelers defense did enough. And the offense played okay. But they did enough to win the game 24-17. I'm not going to talk about it, Dave. This is your team. This was your game. Uh, I know you've got a few things to say about this. Steelers, Rams. It started off well. It started off pretty well. I mean, we were able to run the ball. We Welcome back, Daryl Henderson, into the running fold uh, in LA because uh, obviously Kevin Williams is out injured. So Daryl Henderson was signed and in came Royce Freeman as well. So they were alternating between the two. They both played very well. Uh, Daryl Henderson got his first touchdown back. Uh, that came in the third quarter. But the first half steers and the second half steers looked two different teams. And it was quite painful uh, to watch because I had just, I, I, I remembered who the head coach of the Steelers was and the, the momentum of Pittsburgh can be quite brutal. So 
So, um, yeah, there, there was just something in the air that I thought, yeah, this is going to be really bad. Um, unfortunately, the talk of this game is entirely on the officials. Because into the fourth quarter, on the two-minute warning, uh, uh, no, just, I think it was just before the two-minute warning, around, yeah, just before the two-minute warning, there was a play where Pittsburgh were going for it on fourth and one. They were going for the tush-push, as has been affectionately known. Uh, the Rams already had it with the Eagles, so I'm already sick of it coming into this game. Uh, they tried it a couple times. And um, how can I put this? Kenny Pickett didn't make it back to the line of scrimmage. But he, he was, it was given as being a first down. And there is not one... Every Steeler fan was shocked. Every Rams fan was infuriated. The commentators were almost were, were just in shock. They could not believe what had happened in this game. Um, yeah, that was the main talking point of it. And I am very, I have to be very, very careful with the language I use because it took me three hours after this game to calm down and get to sleep because I could, I was trying to, I was on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, that stupid thing because I, I was looking at it over and over again, looking for expert opinions. Was it over? How could they call it over? Uh, if, it, if it was third and one and, you know, you had already you got the actual spot of where you had reached. It would have been fourth and one and a half yards. That's how bad this call was. Now, obviously, a lot more happened in this game, but at that point, the Rams were 24-17 down. We would have had two minute plus to go down and try to get an, a, a score. Right, So it doesn't mean that we were going to win. It just means that it was game over from that point because the Rams could not challenge it. The Rams had no timeouts come that point. Therefore, we could not challenge it. It was the play either right before the two-minute warning or the one before that. Yeah, it was so, just before the two-minute warning. Yeah. Because of that, it's not automatically reviewed and the Rams had no timeouts and therefore yep. couldn't challenge. Yes. And that is one, it was just, it felt like one of the most disgusting ways to end a game that I've seen in a while. Uh, probably no, nothing, nothing like that happened in, uh, before uh, 2019, uh, particularly in any playoff games involving the Saints uh, and the Rams. But I, that's by the I by. Don't, don't, we other don't need that, <laughs> to bring that up. We don't need to bring well, that up. There, there, was, there was two other things, though, that I did mark up from this game. And it's that the Steelers found a way for, to silence Cooper Cup which not many teams can say they've done. But in fairness, oh, Cooper Cup dropped, I think, three passes that he should have taken. Uh, he's taken so many more difficult ones, three that were pretty much perfect to him. For some reason, he just couldn't take them. Um, and the only other thing is that I am so sick to death of the sight of Minka Fitzpatrick. Absolutely ridiculous. He was everywhere. Oh, and uh, one little thing to mention, Brett Marv has been... Uh, released by the Rams as a result of this game because uh, not only did he miss the one extra point that he attempted but he missed uh, two of his three field goals as well so the Rams are off down to the job centre today to pick up another kicker and I think they've, they did sign someone that I've never heard of to the practice squad but they're also trying out Mason Crosby uh, for maybe a bit more experience on, in the kicking area but uh, yeah just Oh, it's a painful one. Puka Nakua, again, 154 yards from the game. 
but you know it's it's it just can't be a one man show I'm afraid and the Rams go down and are now three and four when in my opinion they should be at least four and three if not five and two. Uh, Jake, I'll, I'll throw it over to you very, very quickly. Um, Pukanakua, Dave mentioned him there. He had a spectacular catch on the sideline. Ridiculous, that, yeah. ridiculous catch on the sideline. Did you see that catch, Jake? Did you see any replays of it, Todd? I have seen the catch, and I've also seen an incredible stat that Pukanakua target share week one to four without Cooper Cup, 32.5%. His target share between week five and week seven, thirty six point six percent. Cooper Cup has come back and looked great, bar this game. Uh, you know, he's come back and looked like Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua's target share has gone up. That's how kind of vital the the Rams have decided this this player is, and rightly so. They've said, okay, we've got something here, and just because Cooper Cup's back, we're not going to just all of a sudden throw this you know our new shiny toy away because Cooper Cup's back. So. It is kind of crazy that somehow you get a wide receiver like Cooper Cup back and your uh, rookie wide receiver's target share goes up. That is that is a bonus random stat. I didn't know that. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I want to talk about this catch because I, I'm going to be honest, I thought it was incomplete. And I didn't understand why they reviewed it and called it complete because he catches the ball, he gets his left foot in, gets his right toe in, but his heel comes down out of bounds. And I'm going, surely if any part of your foot is out of bounds, that's an incomplete pass. But apparently not. Apparently, if you get your first foot in and you get any part of your second, well, you get your toe of your second foot in, it's classed as a toe tap, regardless of whether or not you're going backwards, which Nakua was, which is why his toe hit and then his heel came down out of bounds. So for anyone who was wondering about that, because I had no idea this was a thing, I just saw it and went, unfortunately, great catch, but that's out of bounds, his heel's out of bounds. Uh, but no, apparently not. So uh, uh, if you get your first foot in and you get your second toe down, that's classed as a completed pass, regardless of if you any other part of your foot then comes out of bounds. So we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we're going to come to our next game, which was the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field in front of 68,781 fans. And the Cardinals just could not overcome the Seahawks at home. Um, the Seahawks come away with a 20-10 victory over Arizona. Um Josh Dobbs didn't have a great game in this one. Uh, Geno Smith played pretty well, actually. Uh, Dave, I will put it to you. Arizona, Seattle, what did you make of this game? I mean, the Seahawks started pretty decent uh, in the first half. I mean, they, they well, the, the Cardinals managed to get it back to 14-10 going into the half. But um, then, I don't know what happened. Geno just decided that he didn't want to play very well anymore. Uh, and yeah, from what from what they were able to get, they were, I think they were lucky to get six points in that second half because it was two field goals that they got in the well, one in the third, one in the fourth. Um, but Gino, it was like kind of jerkle and hide with Gino because in the first half he was brilliant, in the second half he was terrible. It was awful, um, and I think the the Cardinals kept shooting themselves at the foot as they seem to be doing this year, which is just by the by. I, I have no. No qualms about that whatsoever. But um, 
Yeah, the the Seahawks appear, uh, appeared in the first half and came out after halftime as the Sea Frauds. Uh, is basically what I took from this. But uh, a little bonus random stat as well. Um, the two touchdown scorers for the Seahawks, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jake Bobo, uh, they're both uh, rookies, uh, but also they came from the opposite end of the draft because obviously Smith and Jigba was a first-round pick for the Seahawks and Jake Bobo was an undrafted rookie, uh, just looking for a shot. But um, yeah, so basically uh, the, the stat is that I think it's a first... Uh, wide receiver rookie pair for the Seahawks to score touchdowns since 2015. And also, this was DK Metcalf's first game out injured. Yeah, so we actually had um, grown men playing. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, that that well, that well, is true. However, Pete Carroll was on the sidelines. So, um, I, I, I don't know baby. if it was all... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake, did you see anything in this one at all? Did you watch any of this game? I did, and a, a much better week for the Jakes, uh, barring me. Uh, but Jake Bobo, I mean, talking about catches, uh, Pukunaku's catch, uh, Jake Bobo, mm. that, that, I, that that touchdown grab was was ridiculous. Um, this second half was putrid. Um, and even to end the, the first half, the, the Cardinals went downs, punt, punt, missed field goal, downs, downs. It was... Uh, <laughs> Seems to be a familiar thing for the Cardinals. They play well for one and a half, two quarters, and then they just, they remember, oh yeah, draft picks, uh, and they just seem to stop being able to, to play. Uh, and then my only other note was that uh, Devon Witherspoon, my my rookie of uh, well defensive rookie of the year candidate, uh, delivered a hit stick uh, on a Cardinals player and knocked him into next week. It was it was devastating. That 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 sorry that was also on my notes and the only other thing that I did have as well is that the Cardinals yards per pass was three point two yards. Uh, so yeah, the uh, Dobbs did not do himself any favors there, especially with Kyler Murray coming back into practice this week. So, gentlemen, we are going to move on and we come to Mile High Stadium. I'm not calling it in Powerfield, <laughs> where the Green Bay Packers <laughs> took on the Denver Broncos for the 60, sorry, 76,880 fans witnessed the Denver Broncos win at Mile High for the first time this year, 19 to 17. Now, there was a lot going on in this game. Uh, so you don't need to worry, guys, because I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. But I do have a couple <laughs> of small gripes. The officiating. Once again, mm. the officiating. Um, the Packers actually had a chance to win this game late. Um, but P.J. Locke intercepted a, a deep pass from Jordan Love. Um, but prior to that, there was a run up the middle by the Packers. Uh, on a draw play, and there was two, two, count them, one, two, blatant holds on that play. Neither of them called, and the Packers picked up by 25 yards. I was screaming at the television. But prior to this, prior to this, Jordan Love threw a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. I think it's Dobbs, it's D-O-U-B-S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it wasn't, because... Pat Sertan intercepted the pass. Now, I watched this as it was happening, and I'm going, well, that's an interception. They both came down with both hands on the ball in the end zone. 
Okay, so I was actually uh, reminiscing of the fail Mary in the Seattle game. Um, but I, I was, I'm looking at this, I'm going, that's an interception. First of all, Sertan catches it, and then Dobbs grabs like the ends of the ball. Sertan's got two hands on the ball. And then as they're coming down, Sertan gets both feet down. Then Dobbs comes down with his feet. So I'm like, it's an interception. So they call that touchdown on the field. Because uh, apparently 50-50 balls, they'll, they'll always, if it's 50-50 and they can't decide, they'll always give it to the offense. That's what they do now. Um, but because Sertan got his feet down, that's an interception. So, uh, you know, when they're reviewing it, I'm thinking, well, it's an interception, clearly. But they called it standing on the field as a touchdown. And I was going, hang on, what are you doing? That was not- it's a, clearly an interception. And they got a, what's, I forget, was it Dean Blandino or Gene Steratore, one of the, the officials? Yeah, Gene Steratore. Gene yeah. Steratore. And he's going, no, that's an interception. And I'm going, I oh, know it's an interception. Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell me, Gene. <laughs> but it was called a touchdown. Anyway, doesn't matter. The reason that P.J. Locke intercepted this pass from Jordan Love, the only reason P.J. Locke was in this game is because Kareem Jackson was ejected. For the second time okay. this year. Um, he's now been suspended. I'm not sure of how many games he's been suspended. Um, it was four, but they've reduced it to two. Reduced it to two. Yeah. Now, the thing that bugs me about this um, is that it was a clean hit. It wasn't helmet to helmet. It was shoulder to upper body. The, you know, the way his head moves, you can you can see why they would might think initially that looks like helmet to helmet. The replay showed it clearly wasn't. Um, and yet, after watching the replays, they eject Kareem Jackson. I'm thinking, well, why are they ejecting him for a clean hit? And then one of the commentators mentioned, well, he's, you know, he's already had an ejection. He's already been fined, a, I think that's four times now this year for, for hits. Five five times this year for it and don't get me wrong some of the hits have been horrendous there was a one against the Raiders in week one um which was just absolutely Myers yeah Jacoby Myers absolutely appalling he launched himself he tried to kill the man but this was a clean hit and I'm going do you know what you should not be taking past things into account um when you're deciding whether or not it's an illegal hit because ju- just like they do in a court of law, you can't take someone's previous crimes into account when deciding whether or not he's guilty. After you find them guilty, you can then say, well, they've got previous, therefore we're going to put in a, a, a bigger sentence. It's exactly the same here. You can't say that that's an illegal hit because he's had previous illegal hits. Because it wasn't. So... I don't think he should have been suspended. And well, I don't he absolutely should have been suspended. No, he not, got, not he got ejected. He, no, but he's getting he's not. He got ejected for that hit. Yeah, you can which say, he shouldn't, oh, he shouldn't have been ejected. Oh, you, can, you, could, have been. you could argue that. Uh, but he has caused three concussions. He yeah, damn near killed Jacoby Myers. Yeah, he no, he, 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 should have been, he, he should have been suspended. The Jacoby Myers hit was awful. That He's been fined five weeks in a row, and uh, this is something I would expect from a young, like safety or cornerback, not someone the age and experience of, of 
better. He should know better. And the fact that he absolutely should be suspended because if you're getting fined five weeks in a row, we said last week uh, when it came to Tyreek and DK Metcalf, these fines mean nothing to these players. So if you keep fining, he's not going to go, okay, I need to change something. You suspend him, all of a sudden, okay, maybe I do need to change something because now I'm not getting paid. Now I'm not getting to play the game. Uh, You're putting people's lives at risk. True, but in this instance... It wasn't an illegal hit. He shouldn't have been ejected. So you can't suspend him for that hit, which is what they've done. He would have been, he probably would have ended up being fined anyway, because you're not allowed to touch an offensive player, and then he would have been suspended anyway. Well, there is that. There is that. Um, Russell Wilson was okay in this game, played pretty well. Corton Sutton was wide open to catch an 18 yard touchdown pass, uh, and Will Lutz banged in four field goals. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't think the Broncos were going to win this game when it was 17 to 16 Packers. And I thought, here we go, <laughs> 16 points. A game is over. But no, the Broncos, uh, they got it done. They won. I'm pretty happy considering. Um, I thought, once again, that running back Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin is one of the best one-two punches. You then throw in some Ajay Pirine. You've got one of the, definitely, in my opinion, the best one, two, three punch uh, running in, in the league. Um, they're starting to use them more, which I like. But once again, nothing to Marvin Mims. I, I don't know why they're not targeting him deep. It, it, I, I'm sure there's a reason they're not targeting Marvin Mims deep. I just can't think what it is. There's got to be a reason. He touched the ball once in this game. It was a reverse run went for minus 11 yards so it looks pretty bad um uh, jake you already mentioned uh, that kim jackson should should have been suspended but did you see any of this game what did you think of it i the kind of things i picked up from this game is that the last four games in the first half the packers are 63 to 6 and not in a good way and the good news for the Broncos, um, we, we've heard of the 16-point the curse, but there was also the Broncos had lost 10 consecutive games when leading at half. Um, so the good news is when you've been playing bad and, and having these bad records, you break a lot of records because it's very easy to break. Um, winning a game that you're leading at halftime isn't hard for a lot of teams. <laughs> it is for us. <laughs> it has. <laughs> for the Broncos, it has been hard, but at least they uh, kind of got the monkey off the back, hopefully trending in the right direction. And uh, and we have our kicker back, please. Um, no. Uh, Dave, <laughs> don't you you can't have our kicker either. Uh, listen, I, listen, I'd happily trade you Will Lutz back, Jake, if we could get Brandon McManus back from Jacksonville. This okay, and this is like an NBA trade where there's like four teams in involved. I can Patrick, I can practically hear Patrick. I was going, shut up! You cannot have him. You cannot have Brandon McManus back. Um, by the way, I, I don't know if you guys I know Dave, Dave. Just before I chuck this over to you, I'm talking about Patrick there. Um, Patrick is so on the ball with our random stats; it's ridiculous. From last week's podcast, I, I said. Um, I, I think I mentioned Norm Wildman Willie, and I said, oh, he might have been like my first random stat. And Patrick is like, no, he was the 14th random stat. And I'm like, how do you know that? So I'm going to start it's calling... Yeah, well, he's got a spreadsheet. I'm going to start calling him Statrick Jackson. I, th- I think we can get that <laughs> name to stick, guys. I think we can definitely. Statrick Jackson. We're going to go with that. Dave, uh, do you see anything in this game? Uh, Jordan Love. Mm, didn't look particularly mm. good, did he? No, he didn't. Um, and I 
worry for the Packers. Well, I mean, obviously, they're they're used to pretty good quarterbacks in Green Bay. But uh, one thing I did also note was that there was only one sack in the entire game, and it was of Russell Wilson. So that um, Packers offensive line, it looks it looks pretty competent, and, um, and as does the Denver one. So neither of these teams have any excuses for putting up less than 20 points in this game at all. Um, because they could have been driving the ball, you know, and just blah, 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 doing their things. Um, I think that one of the most exciting offensive players in the league is Jaleel McLaughlin. The only problem is, is that he doesn't see the ball that much because of Javante Williams, really, um, which is no kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously very It's a nice complaint expected. for a Broncos it, it's fan. Not, yeah, it's, it's not a big problem for the Broncos. But, um, yeah, J- Julio McLaughlin was really exciting. And I think he had a 20-yard-plus rush that was just like, whoa, that's quite – I like his – he's got good awareness. He's, he got a really good cut as well. What else can I say? I, I don't know. It was kind of two average teams that had an exciting game. The the thing I did note, though, We was, really don't let Neosa have anything. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just no, – see, you're, you're right, Jake, but you're also right, Dave. Because I mean, th- this was this was a case of um, the Packers weren't good enough to beat the Broncos. They, the, you know, any other team would have beaten the Broncos. Yeah, and I think I think that the, because of the what the other things that were happening in the game, I think everything else was overshadowed. Uh, any positive thing that happened in the game was overshadowed. I think the interception by PJ Locke was a very good interception because he was there, perfect timing. It was a perfect pick as well, deep ball, uh, you know, and you know it's it's also a case for PJ Locke to start going forward as well. Kareem Jackson is a very good safety, but he has been letting his team down, I'm afraid uh, to say so. And uh, just just to finish off, um, the Rams will have their punter Riley Dixon back, so uh, yeah, we we'll get that sorted as well. I've seen this way. I'm going to jump in and go off script and talk about the Saints for a second. Um, the, the NFL is going to send me in a loop because I wanted to say after the Bills game, we saw the, the Patriots team that the Saints shot out and made look awful beat the Bills. And then I've since that, I've seen the Packers who had like a 19-point comeback in the fourth quarter against the Saints. And I was like, okay, at least the Packers you know, are good this year and they're going to press on. Well, no, the Packers suck as well, and it makes no sense the NFL this year. And the Saints, are, it, it, the NFL makes no sense, and it's it's driving me crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, quick shout out to uh, cornerback Fabian Moreau, who looks so much better than um, Damaria Mathis uh, opposite Pat Sertan there. Mm-hmm. So really glad to see him, him looking good. So gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. Not using that stupid name. Um, and the, it, in, in the first half, in the first quarter, I thought this is going to be 60-all this game. Um, there was a warning completion like, right at the end of the first quarter by both quarterbacks. It was absolutely ridiculous. But then the Chargers just stopped playing and the Chiefs won this one 31 to 17. And um, I'm, I already mentioned Josh McDaniels needs to be fired. Brandon Staley needs to be fired. This is absolutely awful. With the talent 
that this team has, and they've got players on both sides of the ball that any one of us would want on our teams. They've got some incredible talent. And yet, how do you not cover Travis Kelsey? How do you play zone defense against the Chiefs? It's beyond me. It's utterly beyond me. Everyone, every single coach in the NFL must know when you're playing the Chiefs, you cannot play zone defense. They will kill you. Patrick Mahomes killed him to the tune of 321 yards and three touchdowns by halftime. It should have been four touchdowns, but one was called back for a penalty. Sorry, it could have been, not should have been. Uh, it could have been four touchdowns, but one was called back by a penalty. The the Chiefs just had their way with this Chargers team. And Staley just, just he's a defensive coach. And yet, every time they play the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes and Kel- and Travis Kelsey both have field days every single time they play them. Now, usually the Chargers offense is able to do uh, a lot better than Justin Herbert and guys like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and all those guys that they've got on offense are able to score more points. But this Chiefs defense is looking sneaky good. They were able to shut this offense down. Um, Chiefs come away with a win here. It really wasn't close. The, the, the scoreline, as I say, it was, as I say, at the beginning of the game, I thought this is going to be great. It was touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and then the Chiefs just pulled away. And I don't know, Jake. I know you've already mentioned Brandon Staley, and, and like, but it's infuriating. It's utterly, utterly infuriating to watch a defensive-minded coach calling the worst possible defense against the Kansas City Chiefs, like you already need to, or like you already need to give them, a, you know, a helping hand. Um, what did you see in this one, Jake? I mean, my goodness, it was it was terrible. From the Chargers. The, the Chargers. I, I end up watching a lot of Chargers games and you kind of go in and I don't know why, as if I've got like amnesia going like, Oh yeah, this this like you say, the team on paper, great. The, you know, they're gonna be a good team and they're just not a good team. They're not a good team, they're not well coached. And like you say, four touchdowns in seven minutes and five seconds, you're like, Oh ho, oh, here we go. We've been waiting kind of for a while for a proper, you know, shootout. And then, like you say, at 17 apiece, Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs' defense decide that's enough. And they completely shut out the Chargers in the second half. Uh, glad you mentioned the Mahomes thing. I had that wrote down. My biggest worry for the, the Chiefs is they lost Nick Bolton to an injured, mm. um, dislocated wrist. And he's been a player that every time I've watched the Chiefs, uh, and that's not a lot because I don't tend to watch a lot of Chiefs, but every time I've watched him, he always jumps off. The, you know, whenever you're watching him, you're just like, "Wow, who is who is 32? Who is this guy? He is everywhere." And in my opinion, should have won uh, the Super Bowl MVP. Um, but if he is out for any stretch of time, and I would imagine a, a dislocated uh, wrist for a linebacker is kind of important, that's going to be a huge loss for them. And like you say, they do kind of feel like they're just finding their feet. They've they've got um, Chris Jones back. They've got someone like Nick Bolton, and they're kind of figuring it out as they go along. And it's a good thing to be when the Chiefs if you're playing pretty poor and you're in the position they are um, and just when your defence seems to be putting it all together and you're going to lose a massive piece like that could be could be very bad yeah I mean a dislocated wrist now obviously it's not 
fractured, it's not broken, it's dislocated, they can put it back into place, but that's going to be sore for a long time. Obviously, they'll put a cast on it, see how he gets on, but I think you probably imagine he'll be at least at least there three to four weeks, and then when he if he does come back, he's going to have a cast on that. It's going to make his job a lot more difficult. Um, Dave, what did you think of this one? Did you see any of this game? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I noted pretty much what Jake was saying about Nick Bolton. I think he's one of the most underrated linebackers in the league, and I think the Chiefs this year, they've had to rely on their defense, bailing them out of maybe like a kind of lackluster offense bar Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Um, but, you know, some of the stats I did uh, note, Mahomes was 321 yards passing, <laughs> and it's only it's the fourth time in his career he's been over 300 before the half. Uh, so that was pretty impressive. And uh, Kelsey had nine catches for 143 yards and a touchdown uh, at, at that point. And it's second week he'd over the second week in a row he'd been over 100 before halftime. So nice. yeah, so the Taylor Swift effect is well and truly in motion. But uh, yeah, and the other thing I did note was that the Chiefs have got pass rusher Charles O'Menu back. Uh, he was suspended for six games uh, for a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. He got a sack and he tipped the ball when Legere Sneed picked it off uh, in the second half. So, yeah, the Chiefs are still pretty competently going along, but the Chargers just need to get rid of Brandon Staley ASAP. Honestly, they just quick. the quicker the better for them. I mean, we all know the Chiefs don't have great wide receivers at the moment. We know this. Mm-hmm. The one weapon that they have is Travis Kelsey. How you allow him to catch, what was it, 11 catches for 179 yards? That's well, just... Yeah. The, the last two weeks, he's gone 21 for 303, which is mental mental numbers. But I, I would say, uh, is it Rasheed Rice, I think is his name? Yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, the rookie wide receiver, yes. I think he's coming on leaps and bounds and he's looking dangerous. And if he continues to kind of grow... Come the end of the season, the postseason, he's going to be a, a real weapon for them. Yeah. Oh, the one man I forgot to mention, uh, Michael Hardman. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. He, he came back this week and returned a punt, 50 yards, set up a score. Uh, <laughs> and we said he was going to do that. We said, oh, he's going to go to the Chiefs and he's going to play well because he was rotten somewhere else. Uh, I did see Andy Reid saying that um, uh, Taylor Swift is welcome as long as she likes if Travis is going to keep playing like that. So, uh, gentlemen, we're then going to move on and we come to what many people thought was going to be the game of the week. Miami Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans. And it's never really turned into anything other than a beatdown by the Eagles on the Dolphins. I'm trying to figure out if this Dolphins team was, I'm not going to use the word fraudulent because that's not fair because they've clearly been very good, but they were really beating up on bad teams early. They got killed by the Bills and now they got killed by the Eagles. Um, Jake, I'll put it to you first. Uh, The Eagles just romped over the Dolphins in this one, but what did you see in this game? Well, it's always exactly what you kind of said there. The Dolphins' five wins have come against teams with a combined record of 8-25. and 25. Like you said, the only other loss against the Bills was 48-20 to 20 drubbing. Um, and then on the Eagles' kind of side, what I saw was also kind of worrying in terms of Jalen Hurts has more turnovers this year. He has 10 already. 
than he did all of last year. He had only eight last year. Um, I will say following the, the pick six, it felt like the Eagles very easily could have crumbled and spiraled, but they really kind of picked it up and saw the game out, which I think is a, a good sign. And I feel like the Eagles are very much similar to the Chiefs at the moment. They're not playing their best football, but they're winning games. And you don't want to be playing your best football in October or September because all of a sudden you get to the playoffs like 13 and 4 and you're like, yeah, we are great. And then you get absolutely humbled. Um, the, the Eagles and the Chiefs are both kind of figuring things out and winning games, which is a very, very luxurious position to be in. Um, and Jalen Hurts seemed a bit injured. Um, uh, kind of back in the last year, knacking his collarbone, he was kind of hobbling about this game. And they do need him healthy because the the, the brotherly shove or the tush push does rely on, on Jalen Hurts as much as it relies on, on Kelsey and that line. And it is unstoppable. And, and I think Sirianni said, "Don't you can't ban a play because only we can do it. Every, everyone could try it, but only we can do it. And I honestly, at this point, really would like to see it. If the Eagles are winning a game comfortably, I would love to see them try it four downs in a row and just see if they can get a first down just from doing it. Like, stop us. Stop us getting 10 yards and forth. And just really test how, how overpowered it is. Um, but yeah, there are a few concerning things. Like I say, I wouldn't call the Dolphins frauds, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. That it, it's great beating the teams that you should beat, and there's no shame in losing to the Bills or the, the Eagles. But come the playoffs, there will be shame because you'll be one and done. So you, you know, the good news you've got plenty of time to to kind of figure it out. But figure it out. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Dave. So as Jake already said, you know, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And there is no shame in losing, but it's the manner of these two losses mm-hmm. against the Bills and the Eagles when they've been just, they've looked totally outmatched. Um, what do you think of this? I think that the what the Dolphins are displaying are, <laughs> there's similarities with the Bills in that there's no consistency against the teams that they expect to win against and teams that are challenging against them. In the way the Bills, teams that they're expected to win against, they don't always, and they kind of just self-implode. And then teams that are supposed to be the challenge for them, they come up and they, their A-game comes out straight away. So it's kind of you know, yin and yang uh, there, but you can see the similarities in that there's no consistency with either, either of them when there needs to be. Uh, I mean, to a... See, it feels like to me every play that Tua drops back to pass, the very first option on every single route seems to be Tyreek. Now, obviously Tyreek is one of the best wide receivers in the league. I don't think there's much doubt about that because of his speed more than anything else and his, his cut and his ability to you know create space, whatnot. But I just feel like that is what very one dimensional. It's just a case that some of the teams such as well, such as the Eagles, Darius Slay, you know, is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. If you put him on Tyreek, he's gonna be in and around and he's gonna be trying to break up the play. Uh so I I kind of think that the Dolphins on offense, they're re- obviously they're just speed. They are just speed. But if you can find a way to just slow them down a little bit, like some of the teams have, the Eagles, the Bills, then they don't have any kind of plan B, which I think would be quite concerning. 
Yeah, um, and that running game has slowed down for them quite a quite a lot since um, Achan went out injured, actually. Uh, so, gentlemen, we're going to move on, and we come to the Monday night game with the San Francisco 49ers travel to take on the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium in front of 66,975 fans. And guess what? The 49ers lost their second game in a row. For the second week running, they had a chance to go down the field and win it at the end, but they couldn't get it done. And the Vikings come away with, uh, and you know, let's not kid ourselves on here, a fairly surprising 22-17 victory. Um, Christian McCaffrey looked great in this game again. <laughs> he, just, he just keeps on keeping on. He really does. Um, Brock Purdy in this one, he didn't play badly, but he did throw two interceptions. Uh, but he was, you know, 21 or 30 in this one. Kirk Cousins uh, was lighting it up. A 35-45, two touchdowns in this game. 107.2 rating. Dave, I know you want to talk about this. So we're going to let you talk about it. Minnesota Vikings, San Francisco 49ers, Monday Night Football. Give us your verdict. I don't know what would give away that I really want to talk about this. Uh, but, yeah, look, party... Uh, Purdy in this game, he, he was fairly competent. I mean, there was a good few kind of quick slants and throws to the middle of the field uh, that he did very well. He was very competent. He made the correct reads at those times. But I, I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you on what you said about Christian McCaffrey because I think this was his most underwhelming game of the year. Uh, even though he did rush again in for a touchdown. Uh, and he also caught one. Aside from those two plays, the rest of the game he was very quiet. You know, I watched I watched the full thing. He was aside, very quiet. Hang, hang um, on. Aside from the two touchdowns. Yeah, two, two plays. <laughs> like... Two plays. He touched the ball 18 times in the game, right? Two plays, he looked very good. 16, 16 plays average, I'm going to say, especially for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe that's, a, that's he's a victim of his own success. From his own high yeah. standards, okay. Yeah. But he didn't rush the he, he, as long as rush was nine yards in the entire game, and he had fifteen carries for forty five yards. So we only averaged three three yards per carry. Um, I mean, Kittle looked very good, um, and he was their kind of main threat. Brandon Ayuk was uh, kind of one on one most of the time, and he had a good few passes thrown to him. Uh, Juwan Jennings was uh, in for Debo, and he, he played okay, but there was a few kind of. He could have done a bit better on a few routes um, and didn't create much space there. Obviously, um, you look at their defense, Fred Warner was just ridiculously good as as per usual. Dre Greenlaw is becoming a bit of a liability, and I think some people are starting to notice him now because of his kind of um, unnecessary roughness. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, it's just some slightly. He's he maybe too much emotion going into some of the tackles as well. He's letting a lot out on the opposition players, which I think he needs to be really careful of. Uh, one, uh, but the two star. I, I would say there's two star performers in this game. Obviously, both by the Vikings. Jordan Addison had probably the game of his life for for Minnesota. He was fantastic in this game. Seven receptions, 123 yards. Two touchdowns, fantastic catches as well, and fantastic ability to get free uh, as well. But on the defense, Cameron Bynum, wow, 
two picks, nine tackles as well. And it was, yeah, he, he was magnificent. Brock Purdy made, at least one of them was just awful of, of the interceptions. One of them was really bad, so he should have done a lot better. Um, well, I was going to say hopefully he'll learn from it. Maybe not from my point of view. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was a very competitive game. Neither team looked great. Obviously, the Vikings missing their main man. However, Jordan Addison stepped up. TJ Hawkinson was very good as well. He, from, he caught 11 uh, catches from, for 86 yards from 12 targets. Uh, so he played very, very well. And a good few uh, former Rams in this game played quite well. Cam Akers getting 10, 10 carries. And a couple of them was... It, it should, he should be 10 carries for about 10 yards. But good power running from him for uh, 31 yards instead and also Brandon Powell our former kick returner was in as wide receiver number three pretty much behind uh, KG Osborne and Jordan Addison but somehow the Vikings are three and four there was questions about whether they should be trading Kirk Cousins is there something salvaged from this season and are the 49ers in decline no I, I don't think 49 yes, in so, decline Yes, no. yes, 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 they are. Don't, they they, they missed Gabriel Samuel, but I, I think they really missed uh, their tackle, um, Trent. Second oh, Trent Williams. Yeah. Oh, they missed him. My goodness. Uh, Brock Party was having to throw that ball a lot quicker than usual. Um, I mean, obviously, if you know, if you lose a tackle, particularly your left tackle, if you're right-handed quarterback, uh, there's going to be a drop-off, but my goodness, there was some drop-off. And I don't think... I truly appreciated just how good Trent Williams was until you see the guy who's replacing him. And it's not that he's bad, but um, a lot worse than than Trent Williams. He's some tackle, that guy. Uh, Jake, did you see anything in this game? Uh, Dave mentioned Addison there. Um, that long touchdown catch he had, that was an interception. And he just pulled it right out of the guy's hands. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, if you've got a sports day coming up and you need someone for tug of war... <laughs> John Addison's your guy. I mean, like you say, turned a surefire interception into a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, that is a game-changing player. Um, like you say, both teams were missing their number one wide receiver. And John Addison, I think, leads or tied for the most re- like receiving touchdowns. Or he's, I know he's second to Tyree Kill, which, you know, no shame in that. It's like Dave says, he's kind of first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of circling back to the Dolphins as well, that they paid big money for Toronto Armstead, and he's injured pretty much half a season every season and I think the same for the Dolphins that you do miss um, such a, a big body on the on the offensive line um, but I'm just glad for a few years uh, for more than a few years really it felt like Kirk Cousins didn't win in prime time and everyone kind of got on his back and he can't win in prime time he's not a big time player it would have been very easy for the Vikings not to trade Kirk Cousins or Kirk Cousins just to kind of give up and say you know this year is kind of a write off we'll move on to next year. I'll go sign a two-year contract with a team and get tons of guaranteed money. But no, he, he stepped up, his team stepped up, and the Vikings are trying to stay relevant. And like I say, if you can get into the playoffs, who knows, you end up playing an NFC, NFC South team, all of a sudden you're in the divisional round, and you play in championship, you know, anything can happen if you continue to build. You know, nobody remembers how you played in September or October, come January, February. Um, so if the Vikings can continue to kind of climb and, and improve, um, and that's without Justin Jefferson, then they could be a contender come later in the year. One one bonus random stat as well, just coming off this game, 
This was uh, Kirk Cousins' 50th time in his career of hitting 300 yards in a game, and only four others have done that. How many can you name? Dan Marino. Eh, I don't think he did. Drew Brees. Oh, sorry, done that by their 12th season. Sorry, I misread it. Oh, by the 12th oh, season. So, yeah. right. Um, uh, Jake well, Jay, Jay got, got number one. So, Drew Brees is first on 67. By the 12th. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Oh, I suppose he sat for like three years, so maybe not. He did. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers sat for so long. Um, Matt Stafford. Eh. Matt Ryan. Second on 64, yeah. A good old NFC South when we had good quarterbacks, <laughs> good times. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, I'm trying to think of other players who would have had... Ben Roethlisberger. No. Peyton Manning. Wow. Peyton Manning, third, 56. Only one more. Uh, I, um, I, I don't think you'll, you will probably get it, but Kurt Warner on 52. Oh, Kurt Warner, of course, yeah. Kurt Warner. Yeah, so, but yeah that, that's the only other one. So a pretty elite group. Uh, aside from Matt Ryan, of quarterbacks there. I like that. You like that? You like that? <laughs> we love Kirk. Yeah, of course you do. We, we do. Uh, and gentlemen, that wraps up our uh, week seven recap. So gentlemen, just before we do our um, week eight rapid fire preview, it's time for the WinFL show. Player of the Week Awards. I should point out, uh, before we do this, that um, we'll have uh, our, our sort of mid-season awards. You know, the MVP. We'll do it after week eight. I know there's 17... Um, I know there's 17 games, now 18 weeks, but we'll just do it after after week eight, shall we? Rather than after week nine. What do, what do we say? Sounds good. This is a weird week. This week ain't middle of the season. No teams on by. Make that make sense? Um, no, that doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. No, like zero. <laughs> Dave, do you have any idea? <laughs> that makes sense I mean, to you? I, no, but you know, it's the NFL. This year, especially, nothing is making sense. Yeah. Very strange. Okay, no so, S in logic. That's what NFL stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, so we'll start with our offensive player of the week, uh, Jake Wingy. Let's go to you first. Who is your offensive player of the week? Uh, I didn't overthink this one. I gave it to Lamar Jackson. Uh, we kind of covered it. Twenty-one or twenty-seven, three hundred and fifty-seven yards, three touchdowns. I like Dave mentioned one hundred and fifty-five point eight rating. Um, I am also Lamar. uh, For everything you just said, Jake, I had also gone with Lamar for Player of the Week. Dave, is it a a clean sweep on Lamar? It is a clean sweep, yeah. It was just magnificent. So even though Pat Mahomes threw for 424 yards, I'm still giving it to Lamar. It was just so competent. Yeah, he was was practically flawless in that one. Uh, We then come to Defensive Player of the Week. Jake McGee, who have you got? I picked the first player since at least 2000 with multiple sacks, multiple forced fumbles, and a blocked field goal. It's Miles Garrett. I think I just read my notes here. Yeah, I've also got Miles <laughs> Garrett. I, I mean, it, he was he was sensational this week, and he was the, the difference in that game. He was the reason the Browns won that game. So it's absolutely Miles Garrett for me, Dave. 
Oh, clean sweep again. It was Two just, it clean was different sweeps. Quality. Yeah, it was different quality. It was. Um, we then come to uh, defensive special teams unit of the week, Jake McGee. I've, I'm, I'm like the NFL. I love myself some Cleveland Browns, apparently. I've gone for uh, Duskin Hopkins. He, after making two 50-plus yard field goals, he's the first ever NFL kicker to convert a 50-yard field goal in five consecutive games during a single season. So he is not only my player of the, the week, but he's been kind of player of the season uh, in terms of consistency. Wow, we do love a bit of that. Um, I'm taking the entire Baltimore Ravens defense in this one. Uh, the way they just absolutely shut down Detroit here, just allowing six points against what's been a fairly high-powered offense. Um, and uh, Roquan Smith, this this front four, in fact, this entire front seven of Baltimore's is absolutely incredible. So I'm taking them for my defensive slash special teams unit of the week. Dave, who are you going for? Well, Jake's just read my entire notes out uh, about <laughs> Douglas and Hopkins. I thought that I thought that was a kind of a sneaky one that I was going to put in there. But yeah, Dustin Hopkins, obviously, he was a difference maker on the points side. Uh, you know, if you take into consideration the defense, uh, how Miles Garrett played in that entire game, and then it was basically Dustin Hopkins uh, made up for the points margin with that. So yeah, Dustin Hopkins all the way. That's it's so. Uh, it's it's so nice to have a kicker who's consistent <laughs> yep. and can make the yes. kicks. We've all we've I all been through it. Relate. We've all <laughs> been through it, boys. Uh, where you just see watch kickers and just go, "What is going on? Why is this happening to us?" Um, it's just ridiculous. So anyway, gentlemen, we're going to now move on to our week eight rapid fire preview. And um, this time, this week, I'm getting them all right. Okay. Because I got three oh, yeah. right last week. <laughs> this time I'm getting them all right. And we're starting okay. off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Buffalo Bills. Thursday night football. I'm taking the Bills at home 27-16. Very similar. Bills 24-17. Wow. Uh, I've, I've got the Bills winning as well. I think it's actually going to be quite close. I think the Bills are just not... They're just, just going to get over the line. So I've got them winning 27-24. We then have the Atlanta Falcons uh, traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. And I believe Will Levis is going to be starting for Tennessee. So I've got the Falcons winning this one. Uh, low scoring affair, though, 16-7. to I've got the Falcons winning comfortably 27-16. to I've got this game going to overtime. I think it's going to be 16-16. And I think the Falcons, with young whole coup, is going to kick it in overtime to win 19-16. We then have the Houston Texans uh, coming off the bye to face the Carolina Panthers. And I've got the Texans winning this one. I think they're going to be uh, looking nice and comfy uh, in a win here. I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to do much offensively at all. I've got the Texans winning at 20-9. to You know I'm taking my Texans. They're, they're my AFC team. Uh, 28, to, uh, no, 21-18. I do have it as a close game. Hmm. I love the two uh, first the two picks in the draft of last year. Pick one and pick twos. Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Texans, but it's not gonna be uh, as kind of a broad game as you would expect, maybe with how the teams are playing. So I'm gonna say it's gonna be twenty one twenty. 
We then have the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. And apologies, Patrick. Um, this Steelers defense is just finding ways to shut teams down, even though their offense hasn't been great. And I think it's going to be the same again. Low scoring affair, but I've got Steelers winning in it in a nail biter, fourteen to thirteen. The Jaguars win in twenty six to twenty after overtime. Ooh, interesting. Well, I am going to go with the Jags. I'm, I've got you, Pat, here. So I'm going to take a... Don't ask me how the, how the score happens, but I'm taking 23 points to 22. We then have the Minnesota Vikings travelling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. I've got the Vikings who are absolutely walking this one. Unless Jordan Love can figure out something, uh, the Packers have got no chance. I've got the Vikings winning this one comfortably by a score of 34 to 16. Call me crazy. I've got the Packers winning 17 to 16. You're crazy! Well, I've got this game going to overtime again. This is my other overtime game of the week. I've got it going to overtime after a 2020-point uh, shootout with the Vikings with a walk-off touchdown. So 26-20 to the Vikings. We then have the New Orleans Saints travelling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I'm sorry, Jake. I can't back your Saints again. Um, I've got the Colts winning this one in a close game right enough, but it's going to be 24-21. Light side note, the Saints were two and a half point favourites against the Jaguars and now are one and a half point underdogs to the Colts. Make that make sense? No. I've decided just to give up and I'm just going to pick the Saints just out of blind idiocy, uh, 23-20. Well, the, the, the analytics say that the Saints have got a 54.4% percentage of winning in this game, but I don't see it happening, I'm afraid. I've got the Colts to win it. It's going to be 27 points to 20. Um, I like how Jake's just now doing what I do with the Broncos and just picking yeah, his team. I've, I've conformed. Yeah, quite right. Uh, we then have the New England Patriots travelling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Miami have always been the Patriots' bug team for the last two decades. Uh, and this is, game's going to be no different. The Dolphins are going to win this one. Uh, but it's not going to be as high score as some people think. Um, I've got the Dolphins winning this one 19-13. to 13. I've got... The Patriots score in 13, but the Dolphins score in 27. Very, very close. I, I, I've got also got the Patriots going 13, but 31 for the Dolphins. We then have the Battle of New Jersey, where the New York Jets take on the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Um, and I've got Tyron Taylor throwing a touchdown in overtime as the Giants win this one. 16-10. Miracle at MetLife. Uh, I have the Jets winning 17-13. to 13. I've got the Giants winning. And I've got them winning by 10 points to 9. Uh, classic. I, classic. <laughs> I, I, sh I should point out, the, the Giants will only win if Tyrod's playing. If Daniel Jones comes back for this game, then they're going to lose. I'm just saying. Just seeing. Uh, we, then the, back for this game. <laughs> we then have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to Washington to take on the Commanders. Sam Howell is going to get sacked nine plus times in this <laughs> game. Calling it now. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times or more in this game. Uh, I've got the Eagles absolutely romping this one. 38 to 10. I have the Eagles winning comfortably, not that comfortably, uh, but twenty-eight to fourteen. Well, the the, the split is only uh, Eagles get uh, are six and a half point favorites in this one, so 
I think it's going to be a lot closer. I also think it's going to be a lot closer. So I've gone for 27 points to 24 for the Eagles. We then have the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Dave, I'm taking your team. I'm liking the, I'm liking the upset here. I've got the Rams in a close one, but they're going to win it 21-17. I'm afraid I, I, I do not see it the same way. I've got the Cowboys winning 31-20. to 20. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would be just blind loyalty if I said that the Rams were going to win here. Uh, apparently, the bookmakers think there's as much chance of the Commanders beating the Eagles as there are of the Rams beating the Cowboys. So that does not fill me with confidence. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'll pick my Rams, but with no confidence whatsoever, I'll say it's going to be 27 points to 24. We then have what may be the ugliest game that we see. It's the Cleveland Browns <laughs> at the Seattle Seahawks. Um... I'm taking the Browns. I'm taking the Browns to win this game. Uh, it's going to be a low scorer again. I've got a 14-13. I also kind of see a very similar, the battle of the defences. I'm taking the Seahawks 13-10. to 10. I've, I've got 20 points to 17 for the Browns. We then have the Cincinnati Bengals travelling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Now, the Bengals are coming off a bye. And the last time we saw them, they were looking pretty good. But I reckon the 49ers get back on track. But it's not going to be enough. The 49ers suffered their third loss in a row in a high-scoring game here. The Bengals winning this one, 28-26. I have it very close as well, but in favour of the 49ers, 30-27. Here we go, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow comes back. And yeah, they're going to win. So uh, it, yeah, they're going to win. And it's going to be a case of the Bengals winning by 31 points to 24. It'll be a really good week or a really bad week for Pickums for me because I'm alone on a lot of these picks. Well, I, since Neosa picked my Rams, I think it's going to be a really bad week for me in general. <laughs> That's shocking. Uh, we then have the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. I'm taking my Broncos. <laughs> They're going to break the 14 million game losing streak to the Chiefs this time, gentlemen. This time. Not only that, they're going to do it in style. They're going to score points in this game. The Denver Broncos, I've got them winning this game 33 to 24. We could spend the podcast saying how the Chiefs' defense is coming back. <laughs> Broncos are going to put 30 on them. Uh, I have the Broncos scoring points, which is nice. Uh, 21 of them. Nice. But the Chiefs score 35. Nah, boo. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I'm afraid I've got to go with the Chiefs in this one. But I think it's, I, I, I think they're going to get some points, uh, the Broncos. I think they're going to get 24 points. The thing is, though, that the Chiefs are going to get 34. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> so we then have the Baltimore Ravens at the Arizona Cardinals. Sorry, Cards fans. Uh, I think the Ravens are just looking mighty at this point in time. And this week's going to be no different. I've got the Ravens winning this one 37-10. Yeah, look for a close first half and then a very not close second half. 28-15 to 15 to the Ravens. It's that five field goals for the Cardinals? That's yeah. that's, that's a really <laughs> that's just a ridiculous one. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to take the Ravens. Obviously, there's just no way that's the Cardinals going to beat them. So I'm going to take them twenty six points to nine. Three field goals. 
<laughs> Each. <laughs> we, we then have the Chicago Bears at the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I, I don't think Brandon Staley can lose this game, but if anyone can, he can. Um, but I think the Chargers are going to beat the Bears in this one, and I've got the Chargers winning this one by a score of 21 to 18. Close game. I think that's going to be quite an ugly game and uh, not one I'll be losing any sleep over. Uh, 17 to 10 to the Chargers. Me and Jake are on the exact same wavelength, except the scores are on the other side. I think the Bears wow. are going to come away with it. I'm going to go for a 17 points to 13 win for the Bears. We then come to the Monday night game with the Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions, and I think the Lions will absolutely just blow them to smithereens, um, despite the fact that Max Crosby is still going to have a good game. So I've got the Lions winning this one by a score of 28-10. to 10. Yeah, this is the nail in the Josh McDaniels coffin. It's 38-15 to 15 to the Lions. That five field goals for the Raiders. Yeah, there's a lot of field goals for me. I... I think this is going to be the week where we see the nail, not only in Josh McDaniel's coffin, but in Brandon Staley's coffin. Uh, so I think that the Lions are just going to put it on the Raiders, basically. And I think they're going to win by 33 points to seven. Ooh, that's a rough one. And that wraps up our week eight rapid fire preview. Okay, gentlemen, so we now come to our final our final segment. Uh, we're uh, about an hour shorter this week, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but we know how it happened last week. Random stats turned oh, into all sorts oh, of nicknames. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, so it is time, as Jake already mentioned, it's time for... Random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Um, Dave, why don't you go first? It's been a while well since you've been first, I think. Okay, well... Let's cast your mind back to 1877. Great year. Now, a great year, yeah. Neil, Neil will probably tell us more about it after the show. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, the old yes, jokes, so keep them coming. It's, I mean, you take it as you want, sir, but this is the birth year of one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. So, currently 146 years old, this man. <laughs> it's just he's been in the league that long <laughs> it's just around for that long so therefore it must be 1877 it's a typo uh, on the screen so did, anyway. hang, on, hang on did you mistype <laughs> this no but 1877 the year Tom Brady was born quite clearly <laughs> he's the best looking 146 year old in history <laughs> now I thought god ice cream's a hell of a drug <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah I mean I mean the life he's lived, you would look that good, age 146 as well. But I had to, I had to have a look at this stat because I saw this on another podcast. It's a, it's a double whammy, this one. Okay, so back in 2000, when Tom Brady was making his first appearance within the league, now obviously he came in for Drew Bledsoe. It was against the Cowboys. Now uh, that he yes. was in that game, he, he was only one of three uh, for six yards in that game. Okay, so obviously not exactly promising. Nathan Peterman to be... numbers. <laughs> I mean, Nathan Peterman would be, would be loving numbers like that by the look of it. But um, yeah, so I mean, obviously the year after he became the New England starter. But in his career, he threw 12,050 times. That's how many times he threw the ball. Now, obviously... 
Patriots are very good with the run game, so a lot of snaps on the run game as well. However, did you know that in not one of the stats that Tom, uh, not one of the snaps, sorry, that Tom Brady took in the NFL, the team he was playing for was out of playoff contention. Not one snap. His team always had a chance of making the playoffs in his 22 years. And that is my random stat. There you go. Just shows you what a good defense can do for you, doesn't it? Wow, I knew it. I knew it. I, I knew it. I wish I'd written it down and shown you what it was. I knew that was coming. Um, I did, look, I did look, have a look. I'll tell you what. Why don't you look up the New England Patriots defense? over uh, Tom Brady's entire career and tell me how many times they finished in the top 10. Um, it might be that's one because he was so efficient with the ball. So <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. That's, <laughs> well, that's what true. it was. I, because Aaron Rodgers, for example, was notoriously inefficient with his passing. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That's why his defenses oh, were ranked game, game 32nd in the league. Well, see, even though, I mean, you could say that though, but in 2007, Tom Brady and the Patriots went 16-0 and in the regular yes. season. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady had a had a passer rating of one hundred and seventeen point two mm-hmm. in that season. Yes, yeah. How many, how many check-ins? <laughs> I, mean, I, I I didn't count each and every single one of them, but he had eight seasons where he had a passer rating above a hundred. Yes, you'll get yeah. that if you throw a lot of short passes. <laughs> also, I, I will also, say it doesn't doesn't equal everything because everyone always said. For Derek Carr, he would be a good quarterback if he had a good defense, and the Raiders' defense sucks. Well, he's got a good defense, and he still sucks. So yeah, that's maybe Tom true. Brady did do something good. However, yeah. however, and then you, you brought up the 2007 Patriots, 16 and 0 in the regular mm. season, and that offense mm-hmm. was a powerhouse offense. It yes, was the was be, it was the best scoring yeah. offense since. Do you know which one since 2007? Scored more points than any offense since. Come on, Dave. You should know. Well, maybe this the Rams and uh, probably the Rams. <laughs> the greatest show on turf. Exactly. Now, the greatest show on turf for the best scoring offense since the 1998 Minnesota Vikings. Now, Ooh. what did the 1998 Minnesota Vikings and the 2006, <laughs> so 2007 New England Patriots have in common? Hmm. They might have been one wonders. Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> one wonders how you know one player could make a difference to an offense that had been pretty, pretty average, and then all of a sudden they get one player and it explodes and becomes the highest scoring offense of all time. That's right, Mister Randy Moss, Tom Brady's system quarterback called it. There you go. It's <laughs> ridiculous. You know, I you know I'm always going to say that. No, you, you're not right. No, I'm, I'm not going to. No, you're not right. I mean, just. No, I mean, your, your bias, I mean, I, obviously I can't really talk with bias on this podcast, <laughs> but your bias in this instance. I'm biased. Is just, yeah, I mean, I'm not denying that I'm a little biased at some point in, within every single week and every single hour that we spend here. However, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, you've just... Uh, from, from 2001 onwards, you kind of have to give it to him that he was pretty good in what he was doing. Tom I mean, Br- look at Brock, Pur- Pleasant. Brock Pleasant. Purdy is just fitting into the 49ers system. He, I could, will, he could be a good I will never, ever say Tom Brady was not a good quarterback. Of course he was. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't have lasted 20 years in the NFL or 20, what's it, 22 years in the NFL? 22, I think it was, yeah. But he's not the best quarterback of all time. And it's not even close. There's no, and there's no argument to say that he is. There's no, there's none. It's not a debate. People need to stop it because it's just, he's not the best of all time. And I hate people say, oh, maybe he's not the best, but he's the greatest. It's the same thing. He's not the greatest <laughs> of all time. He's definitely the luckiest of all time. We all know that. Well, and he's had and the best, not. he's had the best defensive coach for two decades. So, yes, yes, yeah. But I, I do also have a little fun random stat just for you as well. So, can you name this player? He's never started a full season. He's got 15 and 15 career records. He has $41.4 million in career earnings, 37 TDs, 31 interceptions, won a Super Bowl and retired by a time but before he was 30, and he's a quarterback. Sam Bradford. No, he probably earned even more than that. Yeah, true. Oh, falsely and fraudulently. So, he never, never, never played a full season. Correct. No, um, never started a full season. Sorry, never started a, never started yeah. a full season. Um, 15 and 15 career record. 15, 15 career record. Quarterback. In, like games that he, yeah, in games that he. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's, uh, can, can I, can you give me a very small clue? When he mm. won his Super Bowl, was it one or two Super Bowls? Uh, one, I think. Right. Um, was he the starter in that Super Bowl or was he just a random backup? I think he was a random back. Uh, in that case, um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll I'll give you a clue in that he played in two separate stints for the Denver Broncos. Two separate stints, Brock Osweiler. Mm. Yeah, exactly, Brock Osweiler. Forty-one point four million dollars in his career earnings. That's just, that's not bad for sucking, is it? Just on your soul. I mean, he had a passer rating of seventy-eight in his time in the league. Um, I, don't don't get me wrong. That twenty fifteen season, Brock Osweiler came in for the injured Peyton Manning. Um, they won a few games with him under center, including that uh, incredible Monday night game against New England in overtime. Um, and, and I thought he was going to be the, the, the future of the franchise. We all knew Peyton Manning was mm. retiring. And I thought, you, you broke Osweiler, it's good that he's getting games. And then he just got greedy. I, I, you know, I, you did that just to wind me up. You know I hate Brock Osweiler. I mean, it was two random stats that were just to wind you up, but... It was <laughs> Tom Brady and Brock <laughs> Osweiler. This is brilliant. Oh. Next, Pete Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> right uh why don't i go second jake jake you can you can finish off for the random stats so um go i'll go second and uh, my uh, random stat also concerns quarterbacks a uh, in particular one quarterback um and this quarterback led the league in interceptions on four separate occasions i bet like tom brady he played this guy played 21 <laughs> years in the NFL, from 1987 to 2007. Uh, in the year 2000, he led the league in attempts with 590. But what I want to talk about is his uh, 
sophomore season, as they call it. I don't know why it's called that. Second year in the NFL, 1988, where one Vinny Testaverde threw 35 mm-hmm. interceptions in 15 games. 13 touchdowns. And yet, they still managed to win five games that year. <laughs> he led the league, uh, and th- those 35 um, interceptions which led the league is the most uh, in the Super Bowl era in one season. 35 interceptions. Vinny Testaverde. Uh, the following year, he threw 22 interceptions to also lead the league. That was 1989. He led the league in interceptions again in the year 2000 and again in the year 2004. He's been a bit of a journeyman. He's played for lots of teams. He's played for the uh, Buccaneers, the Jets, the Browns, the Ravens, the Panthers, the Cowboys, and the Patriots. Uh, Vinny Testaverde, and that is my random stat. Short and sweet. Oh, sweet. It's a sophomore season because in college you're a freshman and then you're a sophomore. So it's but the second. second. What, what does sophomore mean? Because Sophomore I, I, is just, it's, it's, what, what does freshman mean? Well, and you're, you're fresh. It's America. You're, that's true, actually. That's, mm-hmm. You know what? Well, that answers a lot of questions, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it does. I remember Vinny Tesver when he was playing for the Jets. Um, you just yeah, he was either going to throw the most perfect ball, or the other team were probably going to get get the chance to pick it off. That's the I, I, that's the complete impression I got the whole time Vinny Testaverde was at the Jets. Um, but I, I vaguely remember him coming up in a random stat before where he fumbled the ball so much when playing for the Jets that they had to get someone in. So just basically to show him properly how to hold on to the ball when he was about to be sacked because he just kept fumbling it so much. So that that would have been his first stint at the Jets because I think he was there for... He went back, didn't he? He was there for seven years with the Jets. Yeah, but did he not go back? He did. He played for the Cowboys in 2004 and back to the Jets in 2005. But in 1980, mm. uh, 1998, yeah, I mentioned 1998, he actually went 12-1 and 1 as a starter with the Jets and made the Pro Bowl. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't, he was, it's not a bad quarterback. He threw 29 touchdowns, seven picks that year. But it's his early years with the Buccaneers. But he was just... Uh, the Bucs were terrible in the late 90s. Uh, late 80s, I beg your pardon. Absolutely terrible. Um, he, had, he had a rough old time, Vinny. In the, <laughs> see, he really did. I'm, but 21 years in the league just goes to show he was one of those guys who was just always... Um, just obviously just a great teammate and a great locker room guy and, and he could play you know it's very much like um maybe not quite as well definitely not quite as successful uh but like bernie Coza, one of those guys who just reliable and would get the job done could come in as a backup even at 40 years old uh he wasn't going to put up incredible stats and but early on in his career folks thought he was a bust they, they really did not say 35 touchdowns in one in 15 games. That's, that's pretty rough. Yeah, and he, all, he also was the Bucks' all-time leader in pass completions and pass attempts until one Jameis Winston came in and broke that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jake, why don't you finish us off with your 
random stat. I will indeed. Now I had one, and it was very short and sweet. Too short and sweet, so I kind of doubled it up. Uh, the the original random stat, and I'll get you guys to guess because I I would not be able to guess. Uh, there is only one team to score twenty points in every game this season. Can you name them? One team has twenty points in every game this season. Doesn't seem like a big ask, but only one team has no. done it. The go-to would be the Dolphins, but I I'll go for the Colts. I'll go for the Eagles. I'm not having the fact that Dave just knows this and is trying to play off because the Colts are the right answer and there's no he way clearly he clearly had that googled. Colts. He yeah. was googling it as he was saying it, Jake. Clearly, yeah, I don't, I don't believe him um, because I had to go through and double check. You know, you've got all these high-powered offenses and I the Colts never. with a backup quarterback are doing it with no running back for four like six weeks. It it makes no sense. Um, so I, I had to double check it. Uh, but it was was correct, um, and I thought it was a bit bit short and sweet, so I, I found something else. Uh, the Raiders, on the flip side, only have one game of 20 points or more, and that was only due to a late safety in their 21-17 to win over the Patriots. <laughs> Under McDaniels, Raiders have blown five double-digit leads, and they have failed to score 20 points offensively in nine of their last ten. So, for an offensive guru, he sucks. He does suck. As a head coach. He he sucks. And you know, you and I, and and Dave, you know, we all know what's going to happen. He's going to absolutely suck in Las Vegas. He's going to get fired. And then Bill O'Brien's going to get moved from New England. Josh McDaniels is going to come in there. I I can see it right now. Bill O'Brien, the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. McDaniels goes oh. back to offensive coordinator. Oh, I wouldn't do that to Christian. That'd be rough. Welfare check on Christian if that happens. Absolutely. The man suffered enough. I, be, I, I know they, what it's they're like. They're going to move out of Las Vegas. They're going to get kicked out of Las Vegas if they <laughs> do that. Oh, that would be just horrendous if that happened. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, anyway, gentlemen, do we have anything anything else uh, to cover before we finish up? We did not mention the Philadelphia Eagles making a trade. No, we did not. And continuing to rob the league, and I don't know how it's legal, um, but they traded for Kevin Bayard, um, the Tennessee Titans All-Pro Safety. They gave up a fifth and a sixth-round pick and a safety Terrell Edmonds. Um, so, and and this is another one, um, very much like uh, DeAndre Swift. Bayard is from Philadelphia, so he gets to go home. Not only does he get to go home, he gets to probably win a Super Bowl or challenge for a Super Bowl, or at least be on a contender. So, it's a win-win for these players, kind of leaving teams and getting to go somewhere familiar uh, and getting to challenge. Um, so, it's a, a win for him. Uh, the Titans are in a bit of a quick sell mode and apparently are taking not taking calls but they're listening to calls for people like Henry and E-Hop and basically offer the right price and anyone's available for the Tennessee Titans I, I, don't, yeah. I don't like that organisation for the way they're running things I mean you, they, they just got DeAndre Hopkins and now they're looking to sell him ah, you, can, you can flip him immediately that's a win-win <sighs> no it's just because just, uh, in, in the off season, when when DeAndre Hopkins was up for free agency, and we were looking at the who wants me, like, but no, nobody. 
I'm sorry, say that again? So it was, he was like, who wants me? You know, I, I'm available and I want a lot of money. And then he went to the Titans. He was like, I want, I want a lot of money and I want to be on a contender. And he went to the Titans for not groundbreaking money. And everyone was like, hmm. Yeah. Not good. But not good. See, see if, you combine, if you combine that with the A.J. Brown trade, the Eagles received A.J. Brown and Kevin Bird. The Titans got, or used the draft picks for Jalen Burks, Malik Willis, obviously now they've got a fifth and a sixth, and they've got Terrell Edmonds. So the Eagles, in my humble opinion, have absolutely fleeced the Titans in, this, totally in these two trades combined. Absolutely ridiculous. And I think the Eagles, from if you look at those two, those two trades, the Eagles are filled with ambition. They want to win, and they're not, they're not picking up players that are uh, really old. You know, just that kind of one season wonders or two season wonders. The picking up players are going to be there for a few years. Some of them are going to need to be paid, obviously. But at the same time, the Titans are just tanking. That that's the only other word. That's the only word I can describe it. And it, what Jake said about uh, Derrick Henry in particular is true. And also for some of their kind of better defensive players as well. More of them, they are also listening to calls for them as well. They're listening to calls for everyone, which is concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go, gentlemen. Uh, something to look forward to, I suppose. Uh, but what we're really looking forward to, of course, is Thursday night football because it, we just love football. I like the Thursday night games. I like uh, the Monday night games. I like the. I've got. Sorry. Uh, sorry I was just going to say, I, I'm going to like it even more because I'm off on Friday. Oh, quite right. So am I, actually. Yeah. Just, so am I, yeah. but I won't, I, I won't be. I'm away for a wedding, so I, I won't be. Oh, we'll nice. be staying up for it. And and is, are you going to the mainland? Yes, yes. Away to Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Well, okay, that's not nice. But the wedding will be nice. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Aberdeen. Uh, apologies to any of our Aberdeen listeners who might be out there. Uh, right. So I just stay safe, Jake, because I think it's still lots of awful flooding going on on the east coast there. Although I think it's slightly farther south. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, Dave, thank you for your stopping by. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jake, thank you for coming along. Anytime, my friend. Thank you to all our listeners. Um, don't forget you can catch us on Twitter X uh, at the WinFL Show. You can also find myself, Dave, Jake, um, Statrick. I'm going to start calling him Statrick. I like it. I like it. That's going to stick. It's, that's going to stick. Um, Jackson, Dave, Tim, Callum, everyone. Everyone's on it. You'll find us all. Andrew. I need to get Andrew McCaskill back on uh, at some point. Uh, also, also um, we are going to be getting a couple more guests sort of mid-season uh, onto the podcast. So look forward to that. But we will catch you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.